Welcome to the show, everybody. This is your host, Lo Jackson, and this is the Only You Podcast. We're here live in Charleston, Illinois, and it's a sad day today in Charleston for me. Uh, Unfortunately, yesterday, I lost a childhood best friend, and I went to bed at 1 a.m. crying, and his dad messaged me at about 6.30 this morning, and went right back to crying. But we had a lot of good times with that guy. He was a great one. It's funny how he probably thought he wasn't that great, but we all thought he was. He could sing and play like an angel sometimes. Something special, you know. This is a podcast where we talk about everyday situations, jobs, social issues, court cases, sexual stuff, politics, relationships. This podcast is about you making the decision that you will promote you to be the best version of you. Thomas Edison said in 1903 that the doctor of the future will give no medicine, but will interest his patients in the care of the human frame, in diet, and in the cause and prevention of disease. Today's a hard day for me, you guys. I I want to tell you that it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel lost. It's okay to feel nothing. It's okay to be numb. It's okay that you're crying one second and laughing the next. Those are all normal emotions. When death rears its ugly head in our lives, you know, and that's something as parents we got to think about too. No one ever taught me how to grieve as a kid, and I had lost my dad. I had just turned six years old. And, you know, that day resonates with me every single day my whole life because, you know, the Lord took my hero home to make me become somebody's hero and to get me on the right path and the direction, you know, for his namesake. My friend's name was Corey Shane Hedrick. He was a charismatic, funny, entertaining, loving, wild, beautiful person. Taught me so many things about music. I still play music and play guitar and sing because of this family to this day. I spent fifth grade all the way up to my senior year with Corey Hedrick and his brother Cody too. Corey and I were more uh, friends than Cody and I. Cody was a grade ahead of us, which it was weird because in fifth grade Cody was in my class and because he was six foot three in fifth grade and I'm not even exaggerating like he never really grew again maybe an inch or two but he was already six foot in fifth grade they bumped him up a class no lie state of Illinois skipped him up a grade because he was tall and then his little brother boom was in my class then me and him became like complete best friends which I was already friends with his brother and I remember that first summer Corey and I were friends we had run down to Diller Tile fishing every day we would be in the creeks looking for turtles 
We'd go out in the country. We we literally ride our bikes two miles out in the country just to go fishing at Coventry's Pond. <laughs> I remember Corey sold a, a bicycle to Pat Smith one time, and uh, I, we didn't know that his dad wanted the money, and they weren't rich. They were very poor, as was my family. And, um, dude, we, we spent the money. Like, we went to Casey's, bought candy, all, oh, man. And then we went out to Coventry's two miles fishing. I remember his dad showed up and said, where's the money? And his dad was a big guy, and he walked that whole distance for 60 bucks. Man, I've never seen a kid take a beating from a dad. Holy crap. But you know what, dude? We were 16, and that was a lesson he needed to learn. Like, you don't steal from your mom and dad ever. You know, the Bible says, honor your mother and father. It don't say honor your mother and father when it's convenient or when they're kissing your ass or doing what you think they should be doing. No. It means honor your mother when she's at the end of the bottle. Honor your father as he just smacked your mother. You know, or honor your father as he's, you know, acting a fool and belittling you, you know. These are situations, those are things and situations that we need to learn to humble ourselves and grow from and let people be them. We don't have to control them. We're not in control of them. We're in control of us. And, you know, that was a wild day that day. And I learned a lot about that because I didn't have a dad, you know. And at the time, this was when I was so influenced by other males in my life was in my teens that was when I really formed who I wanted to be like. And thankfully, I had five uncles. They were well-rounded, outstanding, beautiful gentlemen that treated women with kindness, respect, admiration, and love. And I got a lot of their traits. And, you know, and I miss every single one of them. And it's wild. In the last 10 years, they all dropped like flies. They're all dead now. Even my, my best friend, he was my uncle, too. He passed away February 28th, and I'm still grieving that, you guys. And um, Grieving is a process. It don't just come easily. It's something that's actually taught by parents, you know, and talked about and uh, reiterated into your life to the point where you understand that you're going through something, you know. I mean, uh, grieving... Uh, I don't know, there's all kinds of types of different grief you could go through. You know, there's divorce or relationship breakup grief, um, loss of health, you could grieve that, losing a job. You know, losing a job, you go through all the same emotions in a divorce, like marriage divorce, as you do losing a job, except, you know... The job dies, the other person doesn't. And that's a huge mental battle for a lot of people. So you could grieve losing your job because you felt important there or it made you feel like living. <laughs> uh, a lot of people get lost in their jobs like that and love their jobs, and that's a good thing. Loss of financial stability, you grieve that. Uh, a miscarriage, maybe. Um, retirement, yeah. Yeah, think about that. All the people that, after Trump got out of office and the stock market's tanked, I remember a guy coming to work. He's like, geez, I just got a notification this morning. My account dropped $120,000, my 401k. He's like, I'm just going to try not to look at it. 
And I and I felt stressed for him. You know? Oh, it's just so interesting the way um, things happen so fast like that. But you can grieve your retirement. I was grieving for him that day. <laughs> um, death of a pet. That's a huge one. You can definitely grieve that. And I've seen men, grown men, lay down with a dog in their yard as they laid there dead because of age, illness. I've seen it a few times. And those were some of my uncles, you guys. I had one uncle, man, I'm telling you, he was a dog whisperer and he taught me a lot about animals. He was, he was a beautiful individual. Uh, you could grieve the loss of a, cher a cherished dream. Say, you know, um, you oh, dreamed of opening a business and all of a sudden the internet came out and that business just died. Now it's not even a thing anymore, you know. You could grieve that. Um, you could grieve a, a um, you could grieve a a loved one that had had a serious illness, and that's my best friend. He he actually died of a serious illness, even though my best friend was a struggling struggling addict. You guys, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in depth here in a little bit. Um, but you you would grieve, you know, if you lost someone to an illness you know my uncle Jaybird I lost him to an illness and I went over to see him at you know OSF St. Francis Medical Center and I, I looked at him I'm like whoa you know I mean this is a farm boy he wasn't no damn little twig he was a piece of damn solid steel lumber and um, I remember one time he was out digging uh, tile ditches and the walls collapsed and the mud came down, you know, broke 14 of his ribs, went right back to work the next day, no joke, shoveling with 14. Broke, they broke from the, um, they didn't like get crushed, they broke from the, you know, the sides of your rib cage. But, you know, I learned a lot from that guy and um, I did grieve him when he, when he passed and I remember him, seeing him laying there and he looked at me and he said, Levi, I'm telling you this right now. It's the things you do when you're young. He's like, you will pay for them when you get old. He's like, look at me, Levi. Look at me. He's like, dude, I used needles in the 80s, Levi. I had no idea what I was doing. I was a kid. And he's like, yeah, it was a personal choice. But... I mean, I didn't know any better, and I never ever forgot that. I've carried that statement with me since, and I've—he was one of the reasons why I told—I totally turned my life around that year. The year he died was my first year of real change, you guys. And part of that statement was because of that. You know that it caused that change. You know, you grieve the loss of friendship. And my friend that died today, I had grieved that friendship back in uh, 12th grade when he uh, he decided he was going to use needles at a, at a party in Kankakee, Illinois. And, um, I went in there to that kitchen and I looked at him and I said, you use that fucking needle on Tony right now, motherfucker. I am turning around. I'm walking out of your fucking life. I'm never fucking coming back. I mean that shit, bro. And he looked, his his friend looked at me and he, 
He said, well, dude, you do whatever the fuck you got to do, but get the fuck out of here because I got this kit lined up and he's about to take this hit. I turned around. I said, you fucking do this, you son of a bitch. I'm telling you. And I was so upset. And I looked at him. And I turned around and looked at him as I got to the door. And that was the last time I'd ever seen him in person. And I, uh, I grieved that friendship. <laughs> Man, we had so much fun together, you guys. I am so sorry. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um. Sorry, guys. I also learned of another friend that had passed away after speaking to a close friend I grew up with. He was my neighbor, actually. Another friend of mine passed away also in the last couple of years from drugs. Unfortunately, all of my friends I grew up with died of heroin overdoses. And now I'm totally terrified of opioid pills. Um, any kind of barbiturates I would never put in my system. Um... I have grieved so many heroin overdoses in the past five years of people I loved and cherished and played with as kids and didn't even realize how much I loved and cared about these people until it was just they were gone and I'm like, oh dude, I was living my life. I, I didn't realize I was supposed to cultivate these relationships and reach out and be, be a better individual. And though my friend Corey passed from you know, a disease that was in his blood, that was eating his organs, you know. He was an addict too, and I really did think he died of an I did think he OD'd, even though I'm so proud of him that he did not. Um, I do want to say that I am so sorry, guys, for losing it there for a second. Um, back to things you can grieve. Um, you can grieve. You, you can grieve. Um, loss or safety after a trauma and um, that's something that we need to really think about because if you don't feel safe and that trauma's there that's how PTSD kind of gets started as well you know I mean trauma is the root cause of PTSD and I mean you lose that safety it's just asking for you know a domino effect in your life you could grieve. Also, another thing you could grieve is um, the selling of a family home. Believe it or not, um, I will tell you this: my mom and my stepdad. I remember the first time I ever had my first room was I was 11 years old when I got my first bedroom. I didn't have to share a room with my sister Andrea anymore, um, and she got her own room too. But. uh my stepdad actually bought his mom's house from his stepdad, which I thought was bogus. He should have just gave it to his stepson because his mom actually did buy that house and worked her life away and started a business that her husband went on to. He, he did offer it to my little sister, which I was amazing. And she turned it down. I'm like, dude, I would have rode that thing into the ground or tried to run it, you know, 
you know, learned as I went. But, uh, <laughs> sorry, I have a cold, you guys. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so anyways, uh, he bought that home, and man, my mom and him, they made it a place of paradise. Like, my mom made the backyard, it was like a half an acre, I think. And she made it her own little humble abode. She got plants from all my family members and made little sitting areas and special little butterfly um, scenery areas that attracted butterflies. And she had ones for bees. But uh, it was a wonderful home, you know. And uh, my stepdad worked for Caterpillar, you know, for 30 years. And... He wound up coming down with COPD, which he was a lifetime smoker. And if you, any of you have worked at Caterpillar, you know those guys are out, or they used to be out there just chain smoking every day. But uh, he wound up actually becoming part of a, I believe, a settlement or a class action lawsuit against Caterpillar for breathing in Viscor, which is a type of oil that gets. Um, it actually can absorb into the lungs and into um, like the bronchial pathways and stuff or something. But it caused him to wind up getting a settlement. Or, or no, 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 excuse me. He did get a settlement out of it, but it wound up causing him to have to be on um, long-term, life-term disab disability. To where, like, I remember when I worked there, I would see my dad, you know, he'd be stopping in the middle of the plant holding the pole. You know, even though he was like 375, 6'4". You know, and he'd be sitting there breathing. I'd, man, I'd be so embarrassed for him. I'm like, damn, Dad, I'm sorry, man. Because, you know, I knew what was going on. Nobody else knew. They just thought, oh, he's a fat ass. Dude, this dude used to throw lumber around him. I was a kid, and he'd kick my ass. He'd pick me up like a twig, dude, and throw me up a flight of stairs and tell me, get to your room. Because I bounced off the wall. I'm not saying that's appropriate, but a little bit of my upbringing. It was negative. But, um... Um, as he was on long-term disability, you know, my parents were forced to, no, I think he was waiting for long-term disability, and they were forced to take a loan out on the home that we, you know, they had had for 30 years together, and um, one day they came there and just told him, hey, you got 30 days to get out, you guys didn't pay your bill, and now we have uh, pretty much rights over this house, I guess they like took a loan out on the house and didn't pay it. The bank came and foreclosed on it instantly, and, and at the time I wasn't able to get any of my belongings. I lost everything I owned. I had it all in their garage, and my mom left it all there. And people came over there and went through my stuff. And oh man, it was just that was a terrible episode too. Wow, oh man. Um, but I literally, I still to this day grieve the loss of that house by them. And I drive by there now, you guys, and. It's literally gone to hell. Um, they uh, they have literally... I mean, it's abandoned now. Honestly, it was the most beautiful home you could imagine. But I grieve that home weekly sometimes, you know, because it was a place that I loved and had memories with all my families. I spent Christmases there with all my sisters. And, and if you guys don't know this, I got nine sisters, y'all. All right, they're all half-sisters. Uh, same dad, different moms. And my mom had two girls. So, I, and that was my intermediate family was my two sisters, my mom and my stepdad. And I was the black sheep of the family. <laughs> um, what are the, um, do you guys know what the stages are of grief? Anybody? 
Well, your feelings may happen in phases. As you come to uh, terms with your loss, you can control the process, but it's helpful to know the reason or reasons behind your feelings. All the experience we like, we as people all experience grief um, differently. Though it is no longer considered the ideal way to think about grief, you may have heard of the stages of grief. I'm not sure. You know, like uh, one of them, the first one is uh, denial. When you first learn of the loss, it's normal to think this isn't happening. You may feel shocked or numb. That's normal. It's okay. It's okay. That's part of the grieving process. This is a temporary way to feel with the rush of overwhelming emotions. And it's your brain and the neuroplasticity um, putting up the defense wall of the neuroplast. Excuse me. Wow. Neuroplasticity. Uh that has been trained and taught and felt and changed, you know, to deal with situations like this. The next one is anger. As reality sets in, you're faced with the pain of your loss. You may feel frustrated or helpless. These feelings later turn into anger Because anger and hurt go hand in hand. If you're angry instantly about something and you blow up, a little while later, you feel hurt and sad because now those emotions have subsided. Nothing of the fears that your mind led you to think were going to happen did not happen. You know, and anger... Is part of the grieving process. You might direct it towards other people, a higher power, or life in general. To be angry with a loved one who died and left you alone is natural too, you guys. I do that often about my dad. I mean, throughout my whole life, you know, and uh, and it's crazy now that I'm highly educated and know the truth about my dad's situation and who he was at the time of his death and how his life had played out. You know, I am so glad that I was able to have, I was forced to find out how to become a man and how to become a father and how to become a better human being and learn to grow and change and develop and hold no bias against color religion or any kind of different upbringing because I think my upbringing did humble me coming from a rich and a poor family you know and I feel I feel I do know how to grieve correctly and I feel that I have taught my children how to grieve correctly but sometimes I don't think about the process of grieving when it comes because my uncle died in February I haven't thought about grieving at all until this morning and I knew I needed to do this podcast and I didn't honestly do very much research today just for the fact that man this took my breath away y'all like I've had a childhood best friend since preschool but this was my second brother right here this was somebody that was 
and did change my DNA that put instilled in me guitar and not to be afraid on stage and to put on an act because you ain't got long to be here, you know, and that's how he was. He knew he didn't have long to be here. And he, he always would tell me, you know, only the special ones die, like Jim Morrison, man. And he used to look just like Jim Morrison, Corey Hedrick. For real, he did. But uh, another part of the grieving process is bargaining. Does anybody know that? What are you bargaining for when you're grieving, you guys? Think about that. During this stage, you dwell on um, what you could have done to prevent the loss. I could, if I just... If I see now, I did that with my uncle back in February. It was wild, you know. He had been walking the sidewalk the night before the neighbor told me when I rushed up there that morning of his death and kept saying, Man, my left lung is killing me. My left lung hurts. And that day I was gonna come that night I was gonna come up there. And it got late. And you guys, I don't drive. My wife does all the driving. Unfortunately, that's another part of um or another point of stress levels in my life is that I don't drive and it's unfortunate but um I didn't go up there because my wife got tired and though I'm not blaming her or anything like that I I blame myself for like man I can't drive and you know I've been doing this for 12 years you guys I haven't had a license in 12 years I'm just now getting ready to get them back that's how long it's taken to find somebody to put my stuff together after one DUI I didn't realize I didn't have a license you moved to Arizona you don't have to renew your license for 50 years well needless to say when I got a job or I got the superintendent job I got I found out I didn't have a license really well I I knew I didn't have a license but anyways on to bargaining um you you know it's like uh common thoughts are if only and what if <laughs> you may also try to strike a deal with God or your higher power just like you know it's like I, and I've done that too you know it's like Lord if you if you would have just let them hang on a little longer you know I could have I could have done everything I was supposed to do or you know whatever you're bargaining for but it's part of the grieving process depression is part of the grieving process you know and it's being stuck in the past because you know this person's been there they're the same age as you they're the same um, social demographics the same upbringing the same kind of crazy parenting you know and uh, depression's real because you're depressed because you're stuck in the past you can't make the correlation in your mind at that time you know it's environmental Environmental stresses cause depression. You know, you're, us not taking care of our mental health causes depression. I love you guys, and depression is a serious situation. If anybody out there is having any kind of um, thoughts about harming themselves or thoughts of they ain't good enough, you know, or any kind of thoughts that are going to lead to any kind of negative repercussions in your life, I really do, and I encourage everyone to reach out to the uh, uh, National Suicide Hotline, which their number is 800-273-8255. Um, depression, it's everywhere. Sadness sets in. You begin to understand the loss and how it is going to affect your life. 
And, you know, I don't know if you guys even know the signs of depression, but they're crying. You're sleeping all the time. Uh, and a uh, decrease in your appetite. Food ain't entertaining. And it's like, some of us don't catch on to these things just because we think it's normal. Or maybe we got a cold. Because I like to do that when I get depressed. I like to think, oh man, I got a cold. No, you feel that way because you're depressed. I had no idea. You may feel overwhelmed. Like overwhelm, or the feeling of being overwhelmed is common in depression. Just for the fact that, I mean, nobody realizes that our habits are very powerful. That telephone and all those habits that you got on there, those little nuggets of gratification, you know, those, all those little things that are in your life that you're watching on TV, you're, you got your schedule, you know, everything you're doing every week that's causing you all these stresses um, is actually a part of being overwhelmed, which causes, later causes depression. Being overwhelmed with so much baggage and um, responsibility and feeling like you're never going to come to an end with it, that's normal. Um, you may feel regretful and lonely uh, during these times of grieving. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. Sorry. Like I said, I'm sick. Um, acceptance is part of the grieving process. Uh, that's the last one, you know. Um, oh, God. Just accept it. That is the greatest feeling when you finally get through all these emotions, you know, and we are not our emotions, but our emotions are so important to our overall health and well-being. Take care of yourself, love yourself, treat yourself with respect, you know, do your hair, whatever, make, make your outside look like your inside. Don't make your outside pretty and let your inside be, you know, just a complete mess. You know, acceptance. That's what we're talking about. Well, it's the final stage of the grieving process. You accept the reality of your loss. And you start putting one foot in front of the other. You're moving forward. It's, you're taking it one day at a time, a step at a time. It can't be changed. You know that. You're not depressed anymore. You're not bargaining. You're not angry nor are you in denial. You have went through, finally, the last and final stages of the grieving process. It can't be changed. Although it, you still feel you're sad, you still, feel, you still may feel overwhelmed even, or regretful or lonely. You're, but you are able to start moving forward in your life. And when you start moving forward and that person pops up from time to time, you're still in the acceptance phase, you know, because I'm still in the acceptance phase with my Aunt Karen who passed, you know, I think it was in November of 2020. My Uncle Todd, see, my Aunt Karen actually took me in from age 14 to 18, you guys, when my mom and I's relationship had finally come to a head and the state finally realized that, hey, there was major abuse going on in this home and I'm not... as I'm going to save that for a different topic and a different day. But, you know, I come from a rough upbringing and I'm here to help you guys because I've had to help myself and I don't think a lot of people understand how they 
need to know these things and work on these things that life is about becoming the greatest human being that you know how to be being the best version of you and only you can do that that's why this is the only you podcast i appreciate you guys for listening i follow all kinds of motivational speakers i listen to very intelligent businessmen and i surround myself with highly educated people that are running million multi-million dollar businesses i have one friend who is an entrepreneur he's a lawyer he's a manager at a mcdonald's or a manager at a village inn he is a travel agent he owns a travel agency um i find him to be a very interesting and a person that could mentor and coach me and i do take a lot of lessons from him and i do send him all my business plans or go over them with him um and hopefully he's listening right now because I appreciate you, uh, B. Lester. You know where you're at out there on 32nd Street over there in Phoenix, you know, kicking it with that one lawyer guy next to you that I used to flip off. <laughs> he had this little window in between his office and the lawyer, other lawyer's office and had a set of blinds so when the other lawyer would leave for the day because my friend Brian actually used to be a stand-up comedian as well. So we're on the same page. I'd walk over to the blinds and like pull them down with one finger and then just like put my hand up there and flip the window off even though, you know, the lights were off and it was dark over there. Because <laughs> there were there were two lawyers that were doing totally different law, but it was funny. Anyways, um, back to grieving. Uh, every person goes through these phases, <clears throat> you know, on their way to finding a means to an end that, you never wanted to have to find you may go back and forth between them you know and that's could take three days to grieve it it could take three weeks it could take three months it could take three years it could take three decades all healing people happens in cycles of three in this life and in this world remember that you may go back and forth, though, and it's a rough one. You know, skip one or more of these stages altogether if you can, you guys. Um, and that does happen, too. Some people are in denial. They don't get angry. They don't bargain. They just get depressed, and then they accept it, and they move on, you know. Some people get in, some people get angry. They accept it. They move on. Some people get depressed, accept it, move on, you know. Some people just accept it. And that's a very intellectually intelligent person that's a person that has a lot of great drive and understanding of life and circumstances well i i feel that away and i think that away about that um reminders of your loss like oh let's say like the anniversary of the death or a uh, familiar song can trigger grief um i don't know if any of you have studied uh pavlo's um, theory I, I think it's Pablo yeah Pablo it was a uh, he, he was the uh, doctor that came out with the trigger theory and it's called Pablo's trigger theory and he believed that there are certain things and circumstances that trigger emotions that cause you know relapse which it's funny that, you know, addiction and grief are similar because, you know, um, when you grieve and you accept it and you're trying to move on, 
boom, that song came on that was you and your best friend's favorite song. I can remember one time I bought my best friend Corey uh, the CD hole for Christmas because I knew his mom and dad bought him this awesome stereo. They're like, you better not tell him. And I'm just, I love them people. I love his mom and dad. They love me. And this morning his dad was calling me son because he was a father to me. He was a damn good dad. But uh, I remember I bought Corey that CD I, and he had gotten the stereo, you know. So the night before, he went to the bathroom. And I put the CD in. And I thought, you know what? In the morning, dude, I'm gonna put that stereo on a hundred. I'm gonna put both those speakers by his head, and I'm gonna turn on that song by uh, uh, Courtney Love. And uh, I turned it on a hundred, dude. This fool's like six foot two, shot straight up in the air, dude. Like from a dead sleep. From oh, make me over. You're all I want to be, a walking stargate in demonology. But at the beginning of that song, it's such a, you know, it's a jamming song. <laughs> Sorry to change the subject, you guys. But uh, back to Pavlo's trigger theory and grieving. Grieving in that theory, um, you know, you're grie uh, grieving and addiction are similar in the facts that triggers will cause you to relapse and addiction. And then triggers can also cause you to go back into um, denial triggers can cause you to go back into anger triggers can go cause you to go back into bargaining depression and then acceptance again and you can keep playing this out like i said for three decades three centuries you guys so learn your brain's tactics learn your cycles start journaling remember the only only the stupid people in the world write things down because then they never forget you guys and that's how you become a more rounded human being. Go back and read those notes and, you know, get educated about yourselves and help your family become better educated with, uh, you know, grieving or any kind of situations that you're going through. Uh, the definition is uh, of grief is a natural... Um, Response to loss, or no, grief is a natural response to, oh yeah, to losing someone or something. Yes, that's the definition. I had to think about it. I'm like, man, I know what the definition of this is. Okay. Yeah, you know, and it's like, I me losing my friend today has just made me so thankful for my life, thankful for my family, thankful for my wife. I go out there every day and I'm a person of, you know, love, honesty, uprightness and because I did learn from my mistakes, because I did learn how to grieve, because I did learn um, from my uh, mind thinking negative thoughts or having negative strongholds, I've had to go back through my mind and literally unspiderweb from age three, you guys. And I'm not, that's no joke. I can remember all the way back to age three because I suffer from childhood PTSD. You know, from the time I was six on, I was traumatized from six to, well, you know, 18 pretty much, even, even a little after that. So, you know, life can throw you curveballs and it's okay to grieve those curveballs. It's okay to accept you know, your dad died and moved forward. It's okay to accept that they're never coming back. 
It's okay to accept that their race finished and you're still moving forward in yours and that you need to take everything that you and that person had done or you and that thing or that entity and share that with someone else in the world and you know let somebody else know about your experiences you know talk to your kids you guys tell them how you feel about everything tell them about your mistakes you know my ex-wife yells at me and tells me I need not to talk to our kids like an adult and I'm like hey because I've always just been so honest and upfront with my kids about my mistakes because I knew I was learning and I knew that I was going to be the best parent I could be because I was going to get educated so I could help them and, and it's worked out for me and I'm thankful. I thank God every day that I'm able to grieve and uh, even though I get in denial sometimes like you know I'm I, and I go back to denial with my uncle Todd all the time you guys because man I love that dude you know when Marlboro came out with the wind resistant lighter I remember people would save the the box points on the cigarette pack or whatever and then they would send in for these special gifts which Marlboro actually had tons of quality products back then that they were giving to people for smoking cigarettes it's horrible smoke more of our cigarettes and we'll send you stuff crazy but they had come out with the wind resistant lighter and man I seen that flame come out of that thing and I kept watching my aunts and uncles use it and my uncle letting everybody use this it was like a torch it was cool man and I was a pyromaniac back then all my cousins were and they were the ones that taught me how to play with fire so I went there and I stole the little torch lighter while he was asleep one day and I went outside and I took this diet coke glass bottle and I told my cousin Noah I'm like dude I'm going to make a flamethrower out of this. He's like, all right, cool, dude. So I filled it full, and I could see at the end the butane was coming out, and I lit it. Wow. Did I not know? I had no idea that little tiny hole in that bottle was going to make a torch so powerful that it literally burned my thumbnail off when I was 11. That day, unreal, that day my uncle was like, Hey, let's go play some catch over in the park. Grab that glove. I was like, all right. And it's the glove that goes on my burnt hand. I'm like, dude, I'm not letting him know. I Because I'd already put his lighter back and everything. I had third degree burns all over my hand. Man, I remember he threw this fastball. I caught it. Stung my hand. I dropped the glove. I cried. He was like, dude, I am so sorry. And my childhood nickname, you guys, is Poots. P-O-O-T-S. Because I like to toot on my... My relatives when I was a baby. <laughs> I've been there. I'm still poots to my grandmother to this day. So uh, my uncle comes running over there. I remember at the time, I was 11. He was 10 years older than me, so he was 22. He runs over, he's like, and he looks at my hand. He's like, shit, fuck, poots, damn. He's like, what the fuck happened? And I'm like, do you really want me to tell you? And I was crying, I was scared. But... He was my best friend. He's like, yes, I really want me to tell you, dumbass. And I'm like, well, I've been seeing you play with that lighter, and I just thought it was really cool, man. And, man, when he looked at me, he's like, damn it, Poots. He's like, you should have told me to show you how to use it, man. He's like, I would have showed you. You don't steal my stuff. You know, and he took me over there, and Granny doctored my hand up, put aloe vera on it, you know, and... And then 
a few minutes later, she put me over her knee and spanked the living shit out of me for playing with fire because, you know, four years before that, me and three of my cousins started our whole entire backyard on fire, you guys. That's how much pyros we were. We were playing with fire in the back of my grandma's house, started the fire, how, uh, the backyard on fire. I remember my grandma putting five-gallon bucket in the tub, filling it, going outside with it, and then one in a five-gallon bucket, and she just kept doing that with the outside hose and the inside tub until the fire department got there. Yeah, and then she lined all of us up that night, made us put our hands on the bed, and took the metal fly swatter and wha- whipped our asses and went down the line. Wham, 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 because, dude, I was the youngest. But anyways, this podcast was about grieving you guys. That was a little story, a couple few stories about my life and the situations that I've encountered and what kind of upbringing I've come from, you know, and maybe you guys can hit me up on my email and tell me some thoughts that you think that I should touch base on or maybe something I'm forgetting or if you guys know more things about stuff that I'm talking about than I do, if I'm misspeaking or if I'm telling, if I'm misinforming, please, you guys, email me at ltb31114 at gmail. Um, and remember the process, you know, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. And you will, at some point, go back and forth between these things throughout your life periodically several times I love you guys and it's okay to grieve Um, if you have relatives that are suffering from any kind of addictions you need to reach out to the entities in your community that are there to lead us away from addiction because there is no war on drugs you guys it's really the war on the human mind and the chemicals in the world that are there to help us but unfortunately our natural instinct is to love those things and form habits around them and you guys can't be hating on addicts man these people out there robbing shooting killing for drugs it's not that person doing that they used it's the drug inside of them that's causing their mind to have so many different crazy wants and needs that they do um irreputable things that cause so much damage that sometimes Um, there's no coming back from. I love you guys. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to try to understand the process. And it's a process. Get to know your cycles. Love yourselves. Start journaling. Start trying to grow. Um, Grieving is a serious issue that we need to teach our kids as well because I never was taught grieving. And I went through my life for 30 years, you know, running through the denial, anger, uh, bargaining, depression, acceptance phase with my dad's death, which I'm still doing that to this day, you guys, because my mom didn't sit down and teach me how to grieve. I love you guys, and, you know, we need to help each other. Look out for our family. Look out for our loved ones. Build that patriarch mentality that we are enough because in America today, we don't need the government. We don't need handouts. We need each other. You know, we used to call our friends and family our psychologists, our therapists. These people that are putting on these hats out there today are the same people 100 years ago that my grandma and my aunts and uncles used to sit down with and talk to when they were going through the vicissitudes of life, you guys. And if you don't know what vicissitudes means, look it up. 
It's something you need to know about. Vicissitudes are the ups and downs of life from negative happenings. I love y'all. This is your boy, Low Jackson. And on the Only You podcast here in Charleston, Illinois on a depressed day. Grieving the loss of a childhood friend. Thank you for all my friends that have reached out to me today. I pray for Sam and Margie Hedrick, some of the greatest people I've ever met. I pray for their family down there in Texas. I pray for Corey's son, um, Corey Jr. I pray for his other son. And I pray that, I pray for his ex-wife as well, because I know she loved Corey, even though he had uh, struggled with this um, uh, blood intoxication intoxication he had had the type of botulism in his bloodstream uh, about two years back that he never he'd been battling this cancer it was a rare cancer in his blood he'd been battling for like two years and i love you guys be good to yourselves it's okay to be gentle it's okay to let go i love you take care of yourselves